Welcome to OKHR Leads. I'm Rob Trotter, along with Tara Crowley. I currently serve as the president of the Sooner HR chapter in Norman, Oklahoma, and Tara serves as a certification chair for OKHR State Council. We are chatting with our community and searching for nuggets to share and pass along with current or within current working environments. Hi, Tara. Hi, Rob. What are you doing today? You know, um, not much. It's a Friday, and I always hard, have a hard time kind of getting focused on work, but I'm going to try. But I thought I'd call and talk with Tara and just have, have a little podcast because I, I do enjoy the, our little weekly conversations. And I'm excited about our current guest. Really, really excited about this one. You know why I'm excited? I have no idea. I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm actually in a little bit of suspense. So it's Friday, it's dress down day, and then there's a surprise guest. There Who is, is it? There is a surprise guest. Well, we're turning the tables today, Tara. The, the guest is you. And, oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> I hear you. I, I, I myself am a little nervous no. about this. I've, I've been happy to play the Andy Richter to your Conan O'Brien, where I just sat back and let you ask 90% of the questions. And now I feel a lot of pressure because I got to get the questions out there, but I'm excited because the questions I'm going to ask are going to be answered by Tara. Um, I am nervous because the tables are turned and I guess there is a control piece of being the person asking the questions and there's pressure on the person who is on the other side who's having to answer. Well, I've noticed that you've lacked a little empathy in your interviewing job, so this will provide that for you. You'll get there, and now you get to see what it's like having those questions asked. Oh, no. Oh, my insides are shaking. Let, let me get through your script here that you do so well every week. Our lineup today is Tara Crowley. Tara is currently the HR Director of Omni Environmental Solutions, where she has worked for over 13 years. Omni Environmental Solutions provides diverse drilling, completion and production related environmental solutions to oil and gas operators in prolific US oil and gas plays. So I'm excited to learn more about the oil and gas industry and the challenges and adventures of working in HR in that industry. Tara also got her start in the HR with a little Oklahoma owned high-end apparel company called Harold's. And somewhere in there, she managed to own a restaurant, raise two boys, and serve as several officers on the Sooner HR Society board, as well as the OKHR board. So I'm going to bet that Tara has a lot to offer and speak to. So Tara, welcome. Thanks. I, I'm I'm a little bit nervous, I've already said this, of um, getting to be the person who is the spotlight, but I'm also excited because because hopefully I have some stories to tell and I, everybody has life. So this is why we decided that we wanted to have a podcast anyway. So why don't I be that person who is open there is and answer no the doubt. questions too? There is no doubt that you have stories to tell, Tara, and it is my job to parse those from you. So the first thing I want to do is just get to know Tara a little bit more. I want to hear about your background and how this background led to your career and current experience in the HR industry. Okay. Um, I went to college. I grew up in Norman, but I went to college at OSU in Stillwater. And, you know, part of that reasoning is grew up in Norman, you're around this. 
And I wanted to go somewhere else and had family that had all been OSU grads and went to OSU and OSU had a management degree with an emphasis in HR. So I think that I'm one of those rare HR persons who decided in college, this is what I wanted to do. Um, I finished college and moved to Tulsa and, you know, bounced around a little bit. It was in the mid-90s. I am giving my age, sorry. Uh, Mid-90s and um, jobs were okay to find, but it was really kind of hard finding your foot in the door in an HR capacity. And I actually had a job for a, um, a business called Warren Petroleum, which was located in Tulsa, and they were part of Chevron. And this was really my first entry into um, energy, the energy sector, oil and oil and gas sector. And you know what happens in businesses is they get bought and sold. And <laughs> Warren Petroleum was sold to a company um, called NGC out of Houston. And at that point, I moved back to Norman and started and got my job with Harold's uh, retail stores. And Harold's, if You've been around Oklahoma. Um, it was a staple here. It was started by Harold Powell. And um, in 1948, it was on Campus Corner in, in Campus Corner in Norman. And so there was just a lot around um, the retail store. And, and I worked in the corporate office there. So we had over 50 stores. Um, they And I can't remember how many states, like 20 some odd states that they were located in. So I had great experience of helping to recreate um, uh, policy handbooks and recruiting and also training. That was really kind of my first experience in doing training and um it just was a great experience and, and foot in the door for understanding all things HR. The business um, made a transition and they moved some of the business office to to Dallas. And I had just had my first son at this point. And so I left Harold's in the early 2000s. And in the meantime of having a newborn, here, I'm going to cut you off. My I got a question about Harold's. Growing up oh, in okay. Norman, uh, how excited were you when you got that job? Because if you grew up in Norman, Harold's was a big deal. It's all over the place. So I, I'm curious to know yeah. when you got that, was that a, like the, ooh, I have arrived kind of thing? Or was this just kind of a little job? It was a pretty, it was a pretty neat pride. Um, there was pride as far as what Harold's was. And there was pride of what they were doing at that time because Harold had, yes, they had these retail stores, but then they started branching out of having, they had an outlet store. There was also a screen printing because if you remember the late 80s where old school clothing company, that was part of Harold. And so they had a screen printing company and then they, um, Harold's brother owned um, the building that was right next to the retail store and it originally was called D's. And whenever he, um, D had retired, the Harold's companies purchased and created um, uh, the restaurant Cafe Platt. So we'll get into that in a minute. But 
Um, and that was supposed to be a connection of all of it. But the other big, really cool thing is that Harold had moved into creating its own attire. And so there was a buying office that was located in Dallas. There was, um, you know, they were doing sourcing and there was um, New York City connections. So there was just a really cool environment um, of creativity. They had their own marketing department within the, within the company. So there was just a lot to see and grow from in this little community called Norman. And I got a, a bunch of experience out of it and, and, you know, met a lot of people out of the, out of it as well. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Um, what happened after Harold's? Yeah. So um, after Harold's, I had a, I had a newborn and my um, husband had a restaurant experience and Harold wanted to sell cafe plaid. So we ended up purchasing Cafe Plaid and um, we ran that for about five years. And I will say running a, bis a restaurant is really hard. <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, because you don't turn it off, owning any, owning anything, you don't turn off, turn it off. And my husband had the knack for the customer service, the people and, and running the business. And I did a lot of the back end stuff, but I also helped um, run Sunday brunches. And I remember whenever we decided to sell the business that um, one of those turning points was my youngest son looking at me and it was a holiday and we were both home in the morning. And he looked at us and said, why are you both here? Because whenever he would wake up, one of us would always be gone. And so it was kind of like, wow, we, we need to be, you know, be home and be connected and, you know, make some transitions. And um, after we sold the restaurant, I, I remember my husband, or we were in the midst of selling it. And I, I remember my husband had seen an advertisement for um, the business where I work right now. And they were looking for an HR assistant. And I um, came to a and a tank truck. So A and A tank truck is is part of some uh, part of Omni Environmental Solutions now. But at the time, whenever I um, came to it, it was like maybe a hundred um, employees. And now we are part of a big bigger business of Omni Environmental Solutions, and there are over a thousand employees. So we have gone through some um, acquisitions and things like that within the business where I work and have had a good time as far as um, helping rewrite um, policies and um, um, if a new business has been acquired, helping them get, get familiarized with our business. I mean, so I've been here for almost 14 years. Um, there's been some really good experience. It's also a safety pieces that we end up doing from, from, the HR side here because we are have a trucking company. It's um, tank truck company. So there's um, Department of Transportation information that's also um, in part of what I currently do. I didn't give a whole overview, but we have um, Omni has businesses from the border of Canada all the way to the Gulf of Mexico and and some. Um, 
to the east as far as Pennsylvania. And then we have, there's one small facility that's in Utah. So we have people kind of all over the U.S. And so we get to work in different um, locations and the culture can be different sometimes. So that's always a, a fun to, to figure out what works in some places and what doesn't work in others. So that's kind of my history. I want to get into into Omni, but uh, let's go back to that restaurant real quick. How how has being an owner of a restaurant for five years working the I can't imagine just the <laughs> endless hours and weekends and holidays and stuff prepared you for what yeah. you do today in HR? I think that it it for sure gives you that perspective of being I mean being a business owner, but then whenever you're in a role you have to have the mentality of being a business, a business owner, especially one of my roles is being responsible for payroll. And that responsibility I take very seriously because you are handling, I mean, in my brain, people's money. And that is very emotional. So I always want to be respectful of them. Um, and I think having to own and run our own business, somehow that ties into being um, respectful of the other person, but then also being aware of what your, you know, what your job is doing affects other people. And you're never off whenever you own a business. I mean, I remember we would have refrigerators go down or the, um, you know, plumbing issues or, you know, whatever, all those little things you're like, oh my goodness, you know, having to take care of. And thankfully my husband um, is handy and so there were a lot of things that he could fix. And sometimes we would have to um, uh, get some services, but it was, you make good connections that way. And I think that's another piece that I would say walked away from you making connections with people um, help you to do, to do your job effectively and then help, help connect other people too. Right. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about, about Omni where you've been the past 13 years. How big, how big is your, your HR department? Talk to me about the structure there. Well, I work with um, our general counsel and he is located in Louisiana. And then I have another person who is my counterpart and she's also lo located in Louisiana. And the three of us are, I would say, from a standpoint of um, doing some strategic focus, but then we also have employee or other HR persons who are located, um, a couple, two that are located, two additional that are in Louisiana, another employee who works with me here, and then at some of the other locations, like two that are in North Dakota and two that are in Pennsylvania, who we work with on a consistent basis. And, you know, we have other companies. So Omni Environmental Solutions is the parent company, and then we have other what I would say payroll companies that are underneath that. So each of those persons have responsibility um, for their businesses, but um, my uh, myself and those other two persons that I mentioned at the very beginning, we kind of help guide or, or, or making some um, suggestions of how as a business that we're doing things in order to be consistent with each other and make some, some processes that are similar. Um, to each other. So you mentioned there's one, two, three, four. 
at least 10, at least 10 HR that are, that have HR in their, in their titles. And then we also have, have administrative employees that are out in the field that may do some of these HR pieces for us. And they're integral on us being successful in what we do. For our HR audience, for our HR listening audience that work in the HR, but not necessarily in the oil and gas industry, what would you tell them that is different or unique about having an HR position in the oil and gas industry? Hmm. Here's what I think from the oil and gas industry is that you have to be, you know, put your seatbelt on because the highs are highs and the lows are low. And you have to be able to adjust to the changing business environment pretty quickly. And, you know, like COVID is a great example. And, um, but, you know, oil and gas prices and things like that are, that are affect, that affect the industry can be that high and that low, you know, just as, as things happen. And so um, adjusting you know, having, having to review employees, um, like what's, what's your staff levels or um, making an adjustments. I mean, you have to be pretty nimble to, to make those changes quickly. And the part about the industry that I'm in is that we also have drivers. And so that's a, it's a hard industry to be in right now just because, you know, there are changes that people don't want to necessarily be driving and it's a great job for people and they, they work hard and they have a pretty good salary. I mean, it is a, it's a good role, but I think there are a lot of times that people think, Oh, I don't want to do a job where I'm getting my hands dirty. And that's what, that's the backbone of our industry. I mean, of our, of our, country. You know, we need to have people who are still willing to go get their hands dirty and, and do those, do the micro dirty jobs. Right. Are there enough of those people out there? Um, it's a struggle right now. Yeah. I think other people are going to say that too. I mean, I, it doesn't matter in what industry. Um, I, I saw some pieces yesterday saying, you know, there are lots of jobs out there right now and not enough people that are applying for them. You know, we, we go to a lot of the same events. We, we cross paths quite often, those conferences and, and stuff. And you reminded me of a, a very key and critical comment that somebody made that, that stuck with you and that you have said that you try to uh, embed mm -hmm. in, your, in the way you do things. Mm -hmm. And that is to be the department of yes. Because so often yep. in HR, we are the department of no and putting up that resistance and things. So Tara, yep. share with me how you have become the department of yes at Omni. I, um, I'm going to give a shout out to Barbara Abercrombie and I didn't even remember her name and she um, spoke at the 2021 OKHR conference and it, it jogged my memory that she was the one who stated it. And it, the department of yes, to me means that if we have a problem or an issue that our, our managers come to us saying, we need some assistance, we want to do X. You know, I think a lot of times um, 
as HR, the knee jerk reaction is you can't do that. You can't do that. Well, let's reframe how we, how we look at things. Maybe we can't do it in the way that you are suggesting. So let's find a solution that gets you where you want to go and do it within, um, if it's policy, regulatory, whatever that is, you know, making the initial knee jerk, no, let's find the solution. And, you know, we talked with Crystal Brew a while ago and she talked about she's a solution maker. She, she likes to help people find their solutions. I'm not saying that I have the solution. I just want to be part of that cog in our leader's wheel to help them find their solution. So that's why I think we need to have that mentality of let's change our focus sometimes. Let's, let's be open-minded and let's figure out solutions or help people figure out solutions so they can get where they're going. That's our role is to be, to be integral in, and I, I don't use the word servant lightly, but you know, the, our job is to promote and be, be servant to our business. I mean, they didn't hire us. I mean, we're not making money for them. We can help save them money, but we're not making money for them. And so we need to help them find the solution. So since your, your focus on that, where you started using that uh, in, in your attitude about work and stuff, have, have you found it easier to kind of change? Has there been a change in, in that? I think, hmm, yeah, maybe, I mean, probably, I've been, the whenever I originally heard that, that was in 2014, where I see it now is whenever I'm working with other HR persons, um, you know, maybe in my, it, it, within my business or, or somebody else, but helping them, you know, whenever they're calling saying, hey, what's your recommendation? It's, I'll help remind them, this is what our role is. And also helping them to find solutions. I mean, you know, we're in HR, we're, we're in a society where we are, we are going through trainings, we're, we're constantly learning, and hopefully we're constantly learning. And so I think our job is to be open to other solutions or helping those persons find their solution themselves. So instead of giving an answer, a lot of times I will flip it and say, well, what do you, or hopefully I do this. I think I do this, but to flip it around. What do you think? Or ask the question so they can come to those solutions too. Okay. What lights your fire, Tara? What gets you excited to share? Um. I think just finding the success and successes and whether it's we've implemented something new and it's, you know, it, it applies to people or people have changed some processes. I have recently been saying a lot just because COVID was such a weird year that I've, I've recently been saying a lot, celebrate the win. And the win can be just a little thing. So an, an employee was able to log into our portal portal for the first time. Well, that's a win. 
you know, we have a lot of persons who work out in the field. They're not on a computer all day long. And so this is something that's brand new to them. They don't want to, and they don't want to try it or they don't want to change it. And whenever they get in or they do that, I'm all about, if, if this is your success, I'm going to get gratification out of it too, because I see that you are happy about it. So that's, I mean, that kind of sounds like a silly answer, but. I don't think so. That, that was, yeah, that was very good. Uh, another question, the favorite mine that you, that you commonly ask is what is your favorite tool in business and how do you apply it at your work? I was thinking about this last night and my answer I think is going to be off the wall. And I could, I thought of things of how I'd say it. I mean, I could say, technology, um, you know, our payroll systems, HR systems, and things like that. But I'm actually going to say something different. And I'm going to say exercise. And the reason that I'm saying that is because um, it, it has benefited me. And I have been, um, I grew up as a runner, I have had a long season more recently where I ran with a large group of people. And whenever we're out doing that, it is that part that has allowed my brain to think about some things differently and or what I say to my people I run with, you know, we're solving world problems. Well, it's that part that you're away from your business, but you, you have something that you need to have a solution for or decide about or create something different. And that is my personal tool that has allowed me to be better, I think. I'm so excited that was your answer because I was definitely <laughs> not going to leave you away with ask, without asking you about your, your running because uh, oh. that's one of, that is definitely one of Tara's identifiers is, is her running. Mm -hmm. You know you ran in high school. Did you, did you run in college? No, no, no. Right. I did all of the other fun stuff, which is <laughs> not the exercise part. Well, uh, tell me, tell me, tell me more about your writing. Um, I, I know that you've done this insane 24 hour kind of jog. Thing or oh yeah. We've done. I, yeah. I had, yes. So, and this is getting very personal, but I, it, it is something that lights my fire that, um, Yes, I've run some marathons. Um, I, I haven't run as much, and I have to give this, and I, I used to always say, I'm a runner, but I haven't run as much as I used to run. But we have done some, some uh, races. They were relay races. We've done two that were 200-mile relays with 12 people running, and it was a 24-hour race. So 12 people ran three different times in the 24 hour period. So we ran the, the first one we did, we ran from Fredericksburg in Texas and it dipped down to San Antonio and then finished in Austin. And I'm here to tell you, people get loopy, <laughs> no sleep. And then you're trying to find where you're going. And um, man, it, took a little bit of time to recover from that, but it, we had a, great memories, great comments that were made, and um, sleeping on a soccer field, um, just 
hilarious stories. But, you know, those are things that kind of light my fire that, you know, we've had good experiences from it. And, you know, I've gone and ran races that are in different states or raised money for them. And, and, you know, you're doing something for yourself, but, you know, raising money for somebody else, you're also doing it for them too. So it gives you a little bit of a different perspective and purpose. Okay. Well, that's, that's great. It's very exciting. I, I hope you continue to run. Uh, one of my favorite things about you is your, your Facebook picture where you are laying <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a body, a body little chalk outline. Yeah. Uh, that, that's been a uh-huh. forever because it was after a run and you were just spent and that was, that was it. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's it. That was after Ragnar. After we ran our, my third leg, I was done. I had done, we had done five legs. I think I had done at least 20 miles um, wow. for that race. So. Okay. But I think the takeaway there is the focus on, on health. If you don't want to run, uh, just get out and walk, do something to continue to, because mm-hmm. if we're trying to put our best HR face forward, we can't do that unless we take care of number one, which is have that thing outside of work. And uh, I think you you amplify that in in spades. Okay. So Tara, there are many HR pathways such as diversity, inclusion, compensation, ethics, employment practices, or training, uh, and each affect companies and employees differently. So what are you surprised about in HR and which area do you like best? I think the surprising fact about HR is that it touches so many different things. Um, You are potentially, it's the bottom line of finance, you know, financially impacts the business. Um, The um, benefits and helping, you know, helping people be healthy or helping them to do better. I I think that we also touch into safety and making sure people are um, taking care of, you know, we write job descriptions. We write these things like, you know, do you, can you lift 50 pounds? Can you do these other things? I think um, it's, we touch so many spaces of the business, but then we also, it's in my thought, we need to be a partner with the businesses and understanding what they do. And so I think sometimes employees aren't comfortable. You know, we, we made the comment of department of no, we want to be the department of yes, but I think sometimes people aren't comfortable coming to HR because they think I'm going to be in trouble or I'm go- And hopefully with how HR has evolved since I've gotten into it, that they are, HR is becoming an accessible space. We have information about the employee. We have information about their benefits, their pay. There's those things that are important to them. And we're hopefully respectful to them on helping employees make solutions or practices. But the area that I think that I've had the most fun with, and and that's just because I've gotten able to have this um, availability is doing the strategic part with HR. I mean, to me, that's the fun part. You know, we're just, we're helping to um, walk through what benefits are going to be the best for our employees. Um, My business has just recently um, 
gotten a new program where it is um, sending a questionnaire out to all of the employees to give feedback about their leader. And so that's a different, you know, focus. It's always been, hey, as a leader, you're going to review your employee. But this is the employees are reviewing or giving feedback to their supervisors. So these are all fun things that I've gotten to be able to um, help, I don't know, pitch to our leadership or give some information as to why I think these things will be um, beneficial to the company. But then we get to see what happens out of that next. So that's what I've enjoyed. Let's switch gears here a little bit and start talking about, you know, our volunteering, you know, SHRM and OKHR. And first, I want to hear your, I think everyone's got their own story about their certification. So I want to hear a little Mm -hmm. bit about yours (laughs) and how how it's benefited you and why, why people, if you think this, why people should get certified. Well, I, um, Originally, so I, I originally got my certification, um, my, so I'm old school and got my PHR in 1999, right? Yeah, 1999. Well, guess what? Um, and then shortly after that, um, and this is when, let me back up. This is when you physically had to go to a location, you sat down at a desk and filled it out with piece of paper and pen, and you didn't know if you passed it or not for two months. Did, did you study for it? Did you go through, did you have to study? Oh my gosh, yes, I studied for it. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, yes, I was so eaten up with it. Um, and I, I did pass it. So got my certification in 1999, but then my husband and I, whenever we owned our business, I let it lapse. Hello, ding dong America. Um, But I I was also like, this was not where my space was. I was, you know, new babies and, you know, all those things that, you know, life happens. And I thought, you know what, I, I can, I've done it once I can do it again. And then whenever I started working back in HR again, after having a business or, you know, owning a restaurant, I thought, gosh, I need to go get my certification back. And so I studied the second time and did go to a class and got my certification, my SPHR. And this was in 2013, I took the test. And it was different because I got to go to a computer testing facility and I knew right away whether I passed or I didn't pass. And, you know, what a sense of relief. I mean, I just remembered this and, and, Obviously, I've decided never, ever am I going to let that lapse again. That's number one. And then this was also before um, SHRM had, had um, implemented their certification. So, and so I was grandfathered into um, having the SHRM SCP. So if I take a few questions. But bottom line, I think having that certification is, you know, it lends itself that you have to keep your, your credits up. So I'm very thankful that I'm involved with um, Sooner HR and then OKHR OK because we get credits by attending meetings. And But I'm learning something new. I'm learning something new every time I go. And But isn't that part of what our jobs are, that we're supposed to be open and that we're supposed to evolve and we're supposed to bring new ideas to our businesses. So 
I think having certification and knowing that I need to go to to get some additional credits and learn something new absolutely has been um, a blessing to me and, and the growth of, of where I've gotten to in, in my my role at my company. Well, the, the industry is just so different than it was when you got your certification originally in 99 that, that yeah. you know, it helps keep you focused and and stay on top of things because... Some yep. people have careers in HR and aren't certified and, you know, they, they're still relying on their, their policies that they've created and the way they do things mm-hmm. you know, decades old. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that totally is a, a great benefit. Why, why yeah. volunteer? How'd you get to, how'd you get involved in volunteering? I um, knew and know Diana Wall. And mm-hmm. so Diana Wall is one of the owners of Excel um, Staffing. And I knew her originally from whenever I worked at Harold. And whenever I started here, she invited, um, I started going to the Sooner HR meetings. And so there was, you know, A, there's a connection. The year that she asked if I would um, do something on the board for Sooner HR, I had had a um, New Year's resolution that I was going to, it was going to be the year of yes. So when they said, hey, would you volunteer? I was like, oh, <laughs> I had made this commitment to myself that it would be the year of yes. So I had to say yes. But, you know, lo and behold, how much ex- this has been a wonderful experience for me because it is a free, cheap way to get leadership experience, to get in front of people and speak. If you if you are an HR business or, you know, HR of one, and you are the one who's having to give presentations or give information to your leadership team. I mean, go be on a board. I mean, this gives you that, that background of how things operate sometimes or speaking in front of people. And then just also seeing how the background of it from we're a small chapter that's in this local community and how it affects the state and then how it also affects the national Sherm um, um, society. So all those things that marry into each other that you just gain that knowledge out of it. Yeah. Thank I, you, Diana Wall. Being on a board is ex- exponential in the benefits to you from, from the networking, from the exposure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a volunteer thing. You know, you, you're, you're committing to something, but it's not all that much really in, in terms of what you're give, right. giving back. So. Uh, right. Uh, absolutely. Um, tell me real quick about this tradition you've started at the volunteer leadership business <laughs> meetings where, where you do this kind of, I don't know what you even call it, jumping in the air in front of the Capitol. And it is all your fault yes. that this is happening. Yeah. So tell me about this. Yes. I, the first time, okay, so let's back up. So whenever um, you are in a leadership position for your local chapter, so if you're president, so for the state, if you're the president or if you're on a state council, then you are invited to come to the SHRM volunteer leadership business meeting. And the first year that I was on the Sooner board, I think it was 2016, Um, I was um, president-elect and our chapter decided you were invited to go to the volunteer leadership summit. 
one of the days they have is the advocacy day. And it was uh, myself, Diana Wall, and um, our current president at the time, Karen Shannon. Yes. Karen Shannon. Yeah. And so we went, it was just the three of us, and we were walking between the Senate buildings to the House buildings. And so we're walking in front of the, you know, I, I don't even, Library of Congress, what, I don't even remember which part we were walking in front of. And we were like, oh, take our picture. Oh, okay. And goofily, we said, oh, let's jump. Who said let's jump? So we jump? take this, who, who, I don't who, know who, if it was myself or Diana, <laughs> but, um, but we take this picture and it is hysterical. You find some stranger, because, find some stranger to take Yeah, we do yes. find a stranger yes. to take a picture. And we have bags flying in front of our face and just, I mean, we're all over the place. I don't think Karen even went airborne. I think her foot is still on the ground. <laughs> And so the next year, whenever we went back in 2017, we were with a larger group of people and we said, oh, we need to take this picture. And I think we had somebody with us at that point um, who we said, would you take our picture? She wasn't from the from the Oklahoma group. And so there is a large group. So then, so every year since we've gone, it has become a tradition that we take a picture. And so I did, I wasn't there in 2019 on advocacy day, but you were there. And so I know that it continues. So hopefully 2020, they didn't get to have in person, but maybe 2021, they'll, they'll get to do it again. So I hope so. It, It was fun. I'm glad we did it. Check, check the links to the podcast. I'll make sure that those goofy pictures are there. Uh, I remember walking around the Capitol with you on that day and you describing this. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I don't do this. I don't know. I, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to do this. So it was completely out of peer pressure that, that I did participate in that. And, you know, glad I did. It's, it's a fun thing. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you My pleasure. You mentioned something just briefly, just kind of in passing, uh, in your answer just a second ago about the year of yes. What what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What is the year of yes? I wanted to step outside of my comfort zone, I think. And uh, actually, I, I am an introvert. And so I... I'm not going to be sometimes an initiator of some things. And I knew in order for myself to grow that I needed to, to be more open to doing things that made me uncomfortable. Okay. So I think that was the premise of it. Right. Uh, that just rings in my ears because I'm always, the, uh, I got to say no more. I, I tend to say yes mm. on too many things and things pile up, but uh, you can say no too much and miss opportunities. So you got to kind of play that balance game and, and really take a look oh, at for sure. and not close mm-hmm. yourself off completely. Okay. Um, we're almost to the end to where we get to these fun end questions, but I, I have one more question for you here, Tara. Uh, we are talking right now in this podcast because of you. You're the one who said, hey, let's have a podcast. Hey, Rob, will you help me do this? Let's get, let's get this thing going. So why start a podcast? I thought it was untapped for our organization. So, okay, HR, you know, any group that's in, in the HR space in Oklahoma. And it's not necessarily to Oklahoma that, you know, we could potentially be heard. But I, I just thought 
I've become a somewhat of a podcast junkie to a degree. And why not talk to people and highlight people who are in our local communities around us and, and let them shine. I mean, it doesn't have to be sparkly and shiny of what, how, how we portray this. I mean, this is grassroots. I know that it's not polished, but I want, I I wanted people to maybe know more of the people that I've gotten to see. Like, I've gotten to meet Heidi Hartman and and know a little bit more about her. And she's directing OKHR. Shouldn't everybody who's involved in the HR, any society that's in Oklahoma, have access to that? (laughs) I think that's really kind of why it was an idea. Okay. So what what has surprised you about starting a, a podcast? I think of everybody that we've asked, everyone has said yes. Yeah, that's right. They have. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, know. I, I know. I'm surprised. And, and it, it really makes me proud. I, I'm proud that this idea that we had, hey, let's do this. And that we're still, you know, we've had some people show up and, and we've coordinated it and we've recorded it and, you know what, you've um, been so instrumental on the part that I'm not going to be good at of the technical side and getting it published. And so I, I'm thankful. Yeah, it's, it's been Celebrate fun. that we, win. We celebrate that win. We've, we've hit a milestone. Most podcasts don't make it to 10. We're, we're, well, we're well past that. So. Oh, <gasps> wow. Okay. I didn't know that. So thank you. Thank this you, is- technical Rob. This is one of my favorite parts of the, the interview questions where I get to see you kind of torture the interviewees asking them these questions. <laughs> these so I've always wondered what Tara would say on these. So mm-hmm. here we go. Tara, during COVID, what has surprised you? You Let's see. What has been a surprise you have learned or done differently about yourself? I can't wait to answer this one. So excited. Because I don't think you ex- you're going to expect my answer. I have become a Formula One race car fan. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is a surprise. And I, and this, yes, this is my surprise. So all of this happened and transpired during COVID. Um, and the reason is because I sat and watched uh, Netflix. Who didn't watch too much television? But I watched Drive to Survive on Netflix. And at that point, there were only two seasons on. And I was like, wow, this is exciting, whatever. And then, then I started watching the races. And so I have a favorite driver now. I have a favorite team. My um, last year for my birthday, my dad was like, oh, next, this next year is going to be a big deal. What do you want to do? And I was like, man, that'd be so great if we could go to a Formula One race. And a lot of the race, I mean, they race all around the world. And, but we had decided at that point that we would go to Europe. We're not going to go to Europe because we were like, oh, okay, COVID, we don't know whatever, how it's going to transpire. But we have tickets this year to go to the Formula One race in Austin. There's only one race in the United States, and it's in Austin, Texas in October. So my dad and I are going. We have paddock club passes, which means that you are in this little foo-foo section above where the driver, their, their garage is. And so you get to see their pit stops, all this stuff. I'm so excited. I, I can't even see straight. 
I mean, I'm so excited. So why do you, why do I like Formula One? Oh my gosh, you guys need to watch this because you have 18, 19, 20 year old kids who are responsible for a billion dollar industry, billion dollars. So if you look at one driver, they are responsible for more than a thousand people's jobs. It is just in their mentality. They wreck, they can't finish a race and they have to get up and just wipe it off, dust off and go, okay, next time. It's like, how do you compartmentalize that? And how do you just pressure, pressure, pressure? So it's fascinating to me. Fascinating. Did you have uh, any kind of interest in cars or racing or no. anything like this before COVID? No, okay. none, none. So this, this newfound interest is a direct <laughs> result of COVID. You know, you're having to watch some TV yeah. came across this show and now you're a yeah. super fan. Super fan. Okay. Super fan. Uh, I am. Not, I, I mean, I, I, I hate using the word super fan, but I am a fan. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm all in. It is, it is clear you're more than just a, a passerby friend or fan of, yeah. of this. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what mantra do you use for yourself? and like to share with others? I have a lot. You do. And I'm going to say the first, yeah, I do have a lot. I think the first one I'm going to say is show up. Okay. Just show up. Because I think there are a lot of times when people are too afraid to, to even step out and do some things. But show up's one. Another one that I say a lot is, um, and it may come across as wrong, but I, I say it a lot to my kids of um, things you do affect others. And the reason that I say that is that whenever they're in high school, it just seems like this is my experience. My kids in high school, they think, you know, hey, I'm just going to take care of myself. But it things the decisions that they make affect them in the future. They potentially affect their, their family, their friends, whatever. So it, helping them realize that they are just not in their own little eggshell. They are things they, things they do affect others. Right. One other one that I know that we, we've shared a lot because I've shared it with you is uh, as our children are walking out the door, we always tell them to make good choices. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I do, I do say that. Okay. Um, copying from Brene Brown, what do most people get wrong about you? They think I'm mean. They think you're mean. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not. They think I'm mean because I am a... Um, I'm an observer. So if I'm in a new situation, I observe and I, and I have that, um, well, the resting face. And so I'm, yes. And so I watch things and before I feel comfortable to step my toe in. And so it comes across as I, I'm been told it comes across as intimidating or unapproachable and, all of those things. And it may just be that I'm insecure about the situation. So now that you're aware of that, have you changed how you show up in a room or no? <laughs> I, I, no. I mean, I probably need somebody to hit the button next to me and say, Hey, be, Hey, you know, it's okay. Or say hello or all of those things. I, I suffer from the same condition. I'll be with, you know, when I was in the theater business, I would be there for six months and then people would finally come to me and go, man, I thought you were, you were meaning you're not, you're not at all. <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And 
And initially I did try to be cognizant of that and change my mm-hmm. myself initially for the benefit of them. But it, uh, I found it just came off as, as insincere. Fake, insincere. Yeah. Uh, so it just, I I'm aware and I try to be empathetic towards people about that. I'm not mm-hmm. sure, but um, yeah. Okay. Recent TV show that you have been obsessed with, and don't say Ted Lasso. You've talked about Ted Lasso on enough of our twenty plus. Oh. <laughs> yes, I would say you know yes, you can say that. I can say Schitt's Creek is hysterical. Yeah. If you haven't watched it, it's hilarious. And uh, another show that I tell people to watch is um, uh, Longmire. If you haven't watched really? Longmire, it's so good. It's so good. It's just, it's gritty and raw and some things. It's just really good. And um, I liked it so much that I started the Craig Johnson was the original writer of um, any, it, it, that's the author that the series is based, is based from. And so I've actually read a lot of the, the books that are based on that character. So I liked it that much. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been more fun than it should have been. I've really enjoyed this. Um, <laughs> again, Tara, thank you for inviting me into this in, into this podcast world. How can people contact you? I think the best way to connect is either go to okhr.org and um, when you look at the people who are on the board, you should be able to link and, mm-hmm. and it will send me an email. And then also I'm on LinkedIn under Tara Crowley. And I think that's probably the easiest way to connect. I, I think we need to do a better job of letting people know about the OKHR podcast email, which is OKHRleads at OKHR.org. And I'll put that in the show notes too. But if you have any okay. podcast type topics or questions or suggestions, we'd love to hear from you uh, through that email as, as well. Did I, did I miss anything, Tara? Is there anything that uh, I missed? Well, I will say that I have enjoyed um, our being able to do a podcast so far. And so I want to say thank you very much to you for um, walking through this with me because I don't think we could have gotten as far as we've gotten without you. So thank you for being the podcast partner <laughs> and, uh, Hopefully we do many more. Hopefully so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what this thing's going to turn into in, in the months to come. So uh, yeah, be ready, folks. Be ready. There's, there's definitely more out there. All right, Tara. Okay. Well, uh, it's Friday. I'll let you get back to work. And uh, I'm sure we will be talking in the not-too-distant future. Okay. All right. Bye, Rob. Bye. Thank you.